and welcome to the CHGO Fire Podcast. And a big shout out that right now we have our huge summer sale underway at allchgo.com. Every t-shirt is on sale, at least some, and some including this great Chicago Sky t-shirt, the Blue Skies t-shirt that I'm currently sporting. Some are up to 50% off, so be sure to check that out. Link is on all the CHGO socials and at allchgo.com. I am Alex Campbell. Thanks for joining me again this week. And Joe Chats is back in the co-host seat as we're going to talk about some Chicago Fire wins, more Chicago Fire wins, and then later we'll be joined by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic to talk League's Cup, Minnesota United, the Fire's upcoming opponent, plus uh, Messi, there's a World Cup going on. It's, it's, it's a busy time in American soccer, so we will get to all of that. Joe, how are you? Thanks for being back on the show. Pleasure. Just happy that we can talk about a team that's relevant and not having a depressing conversation like the first time I was here. Yeah, no, we, we are on the up. The Fire are literally, very pun intended, every time we say this, they are the yeah. hottest team in Major League Soccer. Five wins from their last six games, headed into the League's Cup, and we'll get more into that later. Minnesota just blowing away uh, Puebla the other night, despite picking up a red card in like the 30th minute of that game. So it's an interesting prospect, these next two games coming up in the week. But first, we have two games we have to talk about since the last time we were here. And obviously, I think, you know, a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with the details of these games, but who doesn't enjoy talking about home victories? So we start with Chicago. I am on the wrong page. Chicago Fire 3. Montreal CF, CF Montreal, Club de Foot. What are we calling them these days? Zero. Club de Foot Montreal. Club de Foot Montreal, zero. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the Star Wars tweets. Uh, this was this was Star Wars night. I I, I did my best trying to uh, be relevant. And I, I think the fire also helped by uh, playing some good soccer and just creating opportunities for content. So that's all appreciated because, wow, did this game start well. Yeah, it took a while. There was a bit of a delay. It didn't go till like 8.44 of a kickoff, but we got that full game in. Three goals in 33 minutes. It was a lot of fun, and it happened real quick. And it was coming from everybody. I think what it was really, though, was uh, Yorios Kutsias' coming out party, among other things. But Brian Gutierrez scored his first home goal. Shakiri looked like Shakiri. Just a fabulous team performance. July 12th. So it's been a little while, but... It's really set the team up for some positive momentum going forward. Absolutely. And uh, congratulations to all of you who uh, decided to prioritize this game over the uh, the U.S. MNT playing Panama in the Gold Cup semifinals because, God, that soccer was awful. Um, but, yes, ninth minute, Guti gets his first goal of the season, which feels weird because he's played so well overall. This is his first goal also at Soldier Field ever. This was a long time coming, and even though Kutsius does a lot of the hard work on that goal... It's a great moment for Gucci because I think everybody knows that it's it's something he deserved. He's the guy who gets the biggest cheer during the starting lineups now when the team comes out. He's the guy. He's from Chicago now, not from Berwyn. This team wants to sell him as that big, marketable star, and he's slowly becoming it. He's still 20 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Please be patient with him. But that goal, the celebration, you see the way the team celebrated with him. It's a tap-in relatively. He's got the quality to do better, but it was a celebration for everybody. The stadium went bananas. I mean, scoring early is great, but when it's that young superstar that everyone's believing in, sensational and credit to Kutsius as well for creating a lot of it along the sideline and just bodying off a defender big man and that came from a a Chris Brady long ball kind of a random loose ball Montreal hit a ball over the top Uh, I forget which striker it was tried to chase it down Chris Brady gets there first and just puts his left foot through the ball and then Kutsius kind of does the rest and it was deja vu two minutes later Kutsius does almost the exact same thing Beating a defender along the end line. I think we're starting to get the idea of what kind of player Yorios Kutsis is going to be. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Shakiri kind of trips on the ball, but then Marinhali Selassie just slams it in. Montreal are standing there totally asleep. It's another goal for Marinhali Selassie, who has looked fantastic since his return from injury. But as we've kind of alluded here, Joe, I think the story of these first two goals is there's something repeatable here with getting Yorios Kutsias along the end line and drawing the attention of opposing defenders, creating a whole lot of room in the 18-yard box for everybody else. Yorios Kutsias is great if you don't ask him to play the ball in the air. That's the only thing at this point, he's 19, at this point he cannot do. 
If you give him the ball one-on-one with a defender, he has the size, the strength, and the speed to get around them. And clearly with these goals, has shown the wherewithal to be able to provide perfect service in and around the box. <laughs> this goal uh, for Haile Selassie, Shakiri gets the assist because, as you said, he stumbled on it. There was, the a, whole com- there was a whole conversation in the press box about what to do because we're, the, there was video of it, so you had to give it to Shakiri. Kutsias laughed about it after the game. Uh very happy about that. Gave his first interview in English. Kudos to that young man. Very hard. He's learning English and Spanish at the same time as a Greek young man. Kudos to him. But very, very well-run team goal. And Marin Haile Selassie, we seem to talk about it every time I'm here. I, I don't know how the fire don't buy, uh, pick up the buy option at the end of the year. That seems like a real obvious one. Again, I, I think it's just going to all be a question of the, the Major League Soccer accounting, which, again, we'll talk about later, could have some changes coming to it based on what is going on in the uh, in the Miami neck of the woods because I'm not exactly sure how that math. Are there still woods in Miami, yeah, or did they cut them down? I mean, ever swamp, uh, beach, quickly rising ocean. Uh, however you want to you want to go with that. But yeah, Kutsius has looked really impressive. Also, that means Yorgos Kutsius has done a, an interview in English in the United States before Lionel Messi has. Wow. So, so there's that. So he's, uh, he's ahead of the pace. But yeah, I think he kind of got cast to this, oh, he's going to be the straight-line speed merchant running behind. And he can do that. We saw in his first couple appearances that, that he is capable of just kind of being that distractor. But clearly, he's a weapon on the ball. That's cl- something that's becoming very clear. Uh, speaking of being a weapon on the ball, holy shit, Jordan Shakiri. I try not to swear too much on this show, but I think this uh, this is an occasion for it. 33rd a minute. A nice little quick training ground free kick. And then Shakiri just rainbows this ball into the top corner. Uh, MLS, the official league of uh, free kick galazos, I think it's fair to say at this point. I think it's like a TikTok trend basically now that MLS just produces a near Puskas level goal every single match day. Here for it. And, you know, part of the reason the fire Joe have won five of six is Jordan Shakiri. Looks like Jordan Shakiri, and for him to do something like this, just the, the moment that gets everybody in the stands up off their feet, it's worth the price of admission. The, when the fire signed Jordan Shakiri, these are the moments you're picturing him creating. It is, and it's only been aided by the development of everyone around him, mm-hmm. and of course his health. He is so good on the ball. Get over the fact that he's not going to run the full 90 minutes. He's too talented. He's got too many miles on his legs. Sorry, not sorry. That's just what you got to deal with with him. Having said that, you get these moments of brilliance every few games, but he will create two or three goal-scoring opportunities each match from very little. You see the way that team celebrated that goal, too. Mm -hmm. They love this guy. They do. He works out with the young guys. He warms up with the young guys. They know he needs to thrive for them to thrive. And if he's going to be scoring goals like that, shooting arrows off, celebrating at Soldier Field after people have had to wait an hour and a half for kickoff, there's nothing more you want in the mm-hmm. summer in Chicago than having Jared on Shakiri finally being that guy that we've been waiting a year and a half for. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to say what exactly ha- has happened over this season. The, the first domino for whatever reason, seems to have been the departure of Ezra Hendrickson. And Mm -hmm. then something between then and now has really kind of coalesced. Um, I think there are some difficult discussions ahead um, about uh, Frank Klopas, if he's going to stick around. Or, you know, Shakiri's got one year left on his contract. How how do you handle, how do you approach that? Now, I I think the fighters offseason, if they kind of stay in this vein of good enough to make the playoffs but not elite... Um, I, I, th- I think there are some interesting questions to be had. Obviously, we've got the League's Cup break. There's a lot of away games. There's a lot of season to go. So it's, it's really hard to draw too many conclusions right now. But games like this, halves like this, are, are really exciting to see. Uh, the second half of this game was not particularly interesting. Minnesota also missed a penalty in the first half. Um, so the Fire get another shutout at home. Chris Brady gets another shutout at home. Uh, Speaking of soccer that wasn't very interesting, instead of 45 minutes of it, here's 90 minutes of it. Chicago Fire (laughs) 1, Toronto FC 0. First, what is going on with these Toronto kits? Most MLS teams don't get a third kit, and my personal theory is they just released this because their, their entire club right now is just a train wreck, and so this was a way to 
create attention around literally anything else. Your Italian superstars are threatening to leave. You, you don't have a manager. You're about to be in last place because Miami's not going to stay down there. It's it's a mess in Toronto right now. Making me feel great about every team I support because it is not Toronto. Mm-hmm. You got to assume that was a marketing decision. Uh, you'd think you'd sell some Bernadeschis and some Insigne jerseys. Uh, I hope it works out well for them. At this point with the MLS Next Pro jerseys, some of them look really good that you might as well just have that as your third kit. Uh, I know the fire, they have some like nice angles on the uh, numbers and letters. Toronto, I think if I remember, it's a bright red one like they like normally mm. having. So you might as well just do that to have a rollout and it gives you some Apple TV exposure. But yeah, I uh, good for Toronto and having that third kit because it distracts them from a dreadful, dreadful team. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the fire on anytime kit discussion comes up around the fire. Yes, Red Kit's probably coming back next year. And then I, I would like to lobby for the uh, the Chicago flag-themed alternate third kit to, to be a thing again. There was a nice run in, like, the late aughts, early 2010s of that. I, I would yep. like those to come back. So, But, again, let's get back to the Red Home Kits first, and then we can move on. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, this game wasn't very fun. Uh, Chicago Fire alumni Sean Johnson made some nice saves in the first half for Toronto, but we can just kind of skip to the end of this one, and that is in the 90th minute, Casper Shabilko, who'd been on the field for all of five minutes, uh, gets the game-winning goal, a great assist from Miguel Navarro. Man, does he continue to play real well. Good work from Brian Gutierrez in the buildup. This is a perfect example of it does not matter how you win this game, it just matters that you win this game. These were the games they lost the last year and a half under Ezra Hendrickson, who we all liked. Let's get this out of the way. We're not criticizing him as a man. Just a bad. It the, didn't the work out as well. Yeah. Didn't work out well. Oh, well. So now that this has been coming along, these are the games we would have lost. They get the win. And Shabilko, that was a weird week to say for Casper going from buying pretzels in the stands after being a healthy scratch against Montreal. Uh, there was some stuff on Instagram, whatever. Everything seems to be fine now. Winning heals everything. But it was a great play by Gutierrez. He's doing exactly what the team has been wanting him to do in that pass to assist. Just trusting his instincts. He's just a little dumb off pass to Miguel Navarro making a run down the left side. And as you said, Miguel Navarro outstanding at the left wing back position over the last three matches. Kudos to him. It was a perfect feed. Feeds from the wing back position have been lacking from the fire, and I think it would be one thing that if they could really get down pat, I mean, we're seeing what it could do. And Casper Shabilko, this is what he's here for. If you're going to get him in 10, 15-minute spurts, just be in the middle, be a nuisance, and drag some defenders. It's also great to see the fighters go for a game like this late. Like, you had both... Kai Kamara and Kasper Shabilko on the field together, a yep. thing that absolutely never happens. Guti's out there. Shaq is out there. It's like, okay, just put the big dudes up front, cross some balls into the box, see what happens. And so it's just great to see, again, I don't know if this is a game the Fire would have lost. It's certainly a game the Fire draws 0-0 yes. in a lot of previous iterations. So to see the see Klobos just throw guys out there and be like, we're going to risk losing the win because, one, we're not scared of this Toronto team. They haven't done anything for 85 minutes. I'm <laughs> not really worried about them scoring here, and that was a valid, I think, uh, approach to this from Frank Klopas. Mm-hmm. Just throw all the attacking dudes out there and just see what happens. It gets you a winning goal, and this takes the fire now. They're eighth place in the Eastern Conference standings. They're in the top half of the Eastern Conference for the first time all season. Five wins from six. Going into this League's Cup break, I mean, the vibes are good. Like, So I guess there's two ways to look at this. One, from a narrow view, which is Fire playing very well recently, going into this other competition so they can have some momentum to maybe make a run in said other competition. And then the other view is, if I had given you eighth place at the League's Cup break on day one of the season, your reaction would have been what? Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. This is awesome. We'll play it. We're the fire in a playoff position who who cares it doesn't matter as long as you're here is the first as going back to that first time i was here said you can get to the playoffs it's gonna take a while but you can get there and it's it's a miracle they're there i have to assume they're gonna throw out a top level lineup against i i'd hope against minnesota we can have the discussion about against puebla yeah it really depends on we'll talk about this more later the minnesota game totally dictates 
how you approach the Puebla yep. game because two out of every three teams, two out of three yep. teams go through. And if it becomes pretty obvious that the fire in Minnesota are the two going through, you can kind of alter that as you see fit. But yeah, no, the fire in a position now where, you know, again, they're good momentum. And we'll take a look in a moment here at the Eastern Conference standings in Major League Soccer. And it's, you know, the fire, they've got a game in hand against Atlanta, who's one spot above them. Um, you know, they're in a, one of those wild card spots right now. Um, they've got a couple point cushion to being down in in ninth. You can see there's the picture. Uh, Montreal is the team on the outside looking in in 10th. DC United is right there. Atlanta's, I mean, you look at those teams. I mean, yeah, Cincinnati, New England, Philly, even Nashville, and to an extent Orlando, you can probably forget about catching those guys. But like, other really than those top two spots, Joe, I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement. There's a lot of season to go. And yeah, again, there's absolutely no reason, even without further strengthening, which we're not really anticipating from the fire for a multitude of reasons, this team as constructed is good enough to be a lower half of the playoff picture team. And I think they've cemented that these last few weeks. Absolutely. As long as they don't give up a lot of goals, is they're not really prone to scoring a multitude, except against Montreal for whatever reason, they'll be fine. They've got a solid enough back line. They've got a very good young goalkeeper who doesn't allow dumb goals, except the one in Philly earlier this year, which everyone makes a mistake at uh, Subaru Park, it seems like. So... <laughs> Can't really get mad at him over that. There's absolutely no reason for this team not to at least put themselves in the position to play a playoff game. And at this point, Columbus, some of these teams ahead of them, yeah, they're there, but there's no reason to think they're going to be that much better than the fire going forward. And they might really go for the League's Cup as well. I could see Columbus really caring about that event. Yeah, and it's, it's again, it's going to depend on how that bracket shakes out. There's a crazy... I, I sketched out my, what I think is going to happen, and there's a possibility of the fire hosting Chivas Guadalajara in the round of 16, the Valkopanovic's Chivas Guadalajara. So I'm personally rooting for that outcome for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, but before we move on to League's Cup and other things, a couple of things. First, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw a moment ago, chgolocker.com, huge summer sale going on now through Sunday. Be sure to check that out. And CHGO Fire is also brought to you by Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering a world-class product. It's just as good as any pair we've worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for all your outdoor adventure. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every single pair is backed by a lost or broken replacement, which if you're like me and have a tendency to do both of those things with your sunglasses is a huge uh boost for your peace of mind so if you lose or break a pair even on day one they told they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked so you can wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after the purchase shady rays is providing much needed support also to nonprofit partners across the u.s through their shady rays impact program from building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to moving young adults with ms the outdoor adventure of a lifetime shady rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come so remember if you don't love your shady rays you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days no risk when you shop their team always has your back exclusively for chgo listeners shady rays is giving out their best deal of the year go to shadyrays.com and use code chgo for 50 percent off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses i cashed that deal in for myself yesterday got the email this morning that they are on their way i am very excited about that so you can try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20 250,000, excuse me satisfied customers shady rays providing that 50% off, got thrown off by copy again, Shady Rays, 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses with code CHGO. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the little ad there, the bonding your screen. Super excited right now. One of maybe the best promotions I think we've ever had here at CHGO. Got somebody in the chat saying they hope to see the fire against Club America. That would also be good. I'm in favor of the fire, Joe, against any big Mexico, any big team from Mexico. Just... Anybody who's going to create a raucous atmosphere at Soldier Field. We saw the fire take on Cruz Azul in like the uh, kind of preview 
um, beta testing version of this competition a couple years back at SeatGeek. That was pretty fun. Uh, I imagine that it's going to be kind of a similar atmosphere against Puebla next week for the fire, but the idea of a Chivas or an America or a Tigres coming into Soldier Field, like, again, that's I think that's really what Major League Soccer wants to see. That's really what the, kind of the hope this competition is how much do you want to walk through the parking lots pre-match of that it's going to be an absolute soccer party i mean Puebla's a monday night game and people are going to be showing out in i mean who doesn't love monday night football but it's not traditional in the united states and if we can get some more teams to enhance this opportunity this tournament we've got a wonderful mexican-american community in chicago let's give them the opportunity to probably root for a team that they root for and hey I think that would be a lot of fun, and I'm here for it. I mean, anybody who we've referenced this before on this show, but anybody who was at the 2019 uh, Gold Cup final here in Chicago remembers that experience. And, like, you're not going to get that. Like, the Mexican national team is a in their own stratosphere of popularity and fan attendance. Like, that's can't compare that to anything else. But probably the next best thing is any one of those Liga MX giants yep. coming into town. And also, as I said before, if it was possible to get uh, Valkopanovic back in <laughs> town, that would just be, that'd be very fun. I don't think he's prepared for me to ask him questions about his coaching experience at Reading. That's the issue. I'm going to ask him about the championship and he's going to expect, you know, MLS and uh, Liga MX questions. Pano, another guy in the long running history of Chicago Fire coaches. Nice guy. Not the uh, the best results, but seeing Pano back in a Chicago Fire environment would be very funny. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, and we're going to talk about a whole run of stuff with him. But before Jeff comes in, Joe, and we'll get his thoughts on this, the, the center of the American soccer universe right now is Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> um, Dr- Drive Pink Stadium or Derv Punk or whatever people want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I heard somebody call it an erector set stadium. That also seems pretty apropos. What was your general reaction to uh, episode one of Messi's Traveling Circus that ended with that free kick over Cruz Azul? So it's Friday night. I'll, I'll paint the picture. It's Friday <laughs> night. I'm in my apartment. Just finished covering the Red Stars loss in Louisville. No one was happy. Mm. Uh, Alyssa Nair is playing great on the other screen. I put Miami on the small screen. <laughs> My girlfriend proceeds to ask, why did they keep bringing up this messy guy? Uh, so that was really oh fun to explain. But the build-up. That's just a... Uh, yeah. Uh, relationships are wonderful. We <laughs> were watching, and you just hear the build-up as he's coming on the field, as you're getting ready. I had the volume up because I just wanted to hear how loud it got when he went to warm up on the sideline before he came in. And I'm smiling right now because this moment was just everything you care about in soccer, in sports, to see what seems inevitable, what everyone knows is going to happen, happen just like that. First off, people get off your phones and watch these things happen. It's a lot of these angles were bad. All right. Your camera shot wasn't that great. So enjoy these messy moments. It's kind of like filming a concert. It's like, what is this? What is this for? Like, exactly. The video of Messi scoring on Twitter, or excuse me, on X, has been viewed like a billion times or something stupid. Like, this, it was just the picture perfect beginning to this. The, the, the free kick for the goal, the him getting to celebrate with his family. Because for those who aren't familiar, normally, especially in Europe, and even generally in Major League Soccer, families are sitting up in a private box. They're not near the field. They're kind of removed from everything. So for Messi to be able to run over and just hug his kids, hug his wife. And then, of course, in the background of that is, you know, Serena Williams and Kim Kardashian and LeBron James. Well, I thought LeBron was going to go hug him. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, that was it was it was absolutely crazy. So we'll talk more about that in a minute because I believe we are ready to bring in Jeff Reuter of The Athletic live from the beautiful city of St. Paul, Minnesota. There he is, Jeff. Thank you so much for the time. Welcome to CHGO Fire. Glad to have you. Yeah, I, I look at you just like remembering your training on I'm in St. Paul, I'm not in Minneapolis. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff is a staff writer for The Athletic covering North American soccer. You should be following his work on all sorts of things, MLS or more recently, 
the Women's World Cup and, of course, Messi because everybody has to cover Messi right now. And uh, we will get yeah. more to that in a moment. But, Jeff, I think we want to start with you on, like, big picture stuff. We want to talk League's Cup as somebody who's got a, a national view kind of of just the landscape, the landscape of American soccer. Yeah. Especially trying to explain it to those who aren't super familiar with what this tournament is. How do you kind of explain it to people beyond this was an opportunity for MLS and Liga MX to make a whole bunch of money and get a whole bunch of games on, on TV? For, from your perspective, what's what's kind of in this? What What's in it for the leagues? Yeah, it's money. <laughs> um, I, I mean, like, look, you can't pretend it's anything else. It's not mm-hmm. like FIFA, CONCACAF. Uh, U.S. soccer are creating new competition, er, competitions Excuse me, out of the goodness of their hearts and the desire to see new sporting merit. Like At the end of the day, it's all a business, right? And what they saw was that there was increased interest in Major League Soccer among Mexican soccer fans, and there is steadily continuing to be great interest in Liga Emekis among American soccer fans. And so the idea is let's get these two leagues together and let's find a time where we can get them to play against each other. The last CBA, it was one of the more quiet talking points, was that there's going to be a mid-season break now, a regular season break where you do have time off. Now, I don't think that it's really a break if you're playing another tournament. So a bit screwy to me that this qualifies. But at the same point, the idea is that you are shifting the balance of power so that now you have teams from the United States and Canada and teams from Mexico who are going to have split monopoly over CONCACAF Champions Cup, which used to be the Champions League, of course, spots. Because now there are qualification spots that are purely tied to this competition that teams from Costa Rica can't have access to, teams from the Canadian Premier League can't have access to, Guatemala, you name it. It is specifically to continue to grow the footprint of Major League Soccer and Liga MX, who they see as their two best leagues and their two best competitors, so why not skew it? I don't think it's necessarily the most sporting way to do it. I don't think that there's much that you can claim is very sporting about this in general, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, But... It's a competition that's going on right now. It basically is just the month of Messi. Um, I think that it absolutely cannibalizes the interest in his debut in the regular season uh, against Charlotte in August because now everyone will have seen him play at least three times or two, three, four times, probably. Uh, it, it just, I, I don't get it. I gotta be completely honest with you. I'm, I, I struggle to come up with a justification on this one, which isn't a great selling point, but I'm not here to sell it. I'm just here to call it what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of that. The last week of American soccer on television has featured a lot of why did you schedule this thing when you scheduled it moments like Messi's debut intersecting with the U.S. women's national team playing their first World Cup game, the NWSL playing games during U.S. women's national team World Cup games. What are I will never understand that one. But yeah, I, I think, you know. Messi starting in Charlotte won't be too bad because that'll be a big crowd. It's a big stadium. They'll all show up for it. But yeah, to your point about the sporting merits, it's, you know, you got groups of three, two group, two teams from each group are getting out. So yeah, the only people getting a real break are the teams who play real bad. Can I point out, can I just yeah. point out, sorry, the, the amount of sporting merit we're talking about here, just to drive this home to viewers. Yeah. Uh, groups are called East one, two, three, four central. Like it, it's, it, they didn't even try to name these groups because you're looking at the bracket and you're like, okay, so, so I write for the athletic. We cover a lot of Lionel Messi. Everyone knows this these days. Right. Yes. And one of the pieces that I wrote was how could Messi possibly win a trophy in 2023? And basically there are two avenues for him to do it. One, you win two games in the U S open cup, you beat FC Cincinnati. It would be an upset, but you pull it off. Then you have the Houston dynamo and Real Salt Lake. I think I would like Messi and Busquets against either of those. So yes. you get past Cincinnati. That's a trophy. Right. And then, or, or then it's one game away from a trophy. It, they no guarantees. They'll give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> he could get hurt. We have no idea. Um, the League's Cup, they didn't even try. You look at the bracket, and it is like the second place team from East 3 against the first place team from East 4. And it's like, okay, well, letters exist. Numbers exist. Roman numerals exist. Cities that are hosting these. You could call it the group of St. Paul if you're playing there, Fort Lauderdale, whatever the case is. You mm. can do so much. Come up with animals. I don't know anything. <laughs> Literally anything. Except for this whole, like, it's a U8 tournament. We really didn't try. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be talking about who's going to advance from group East 4 with your friends. So it just it makes it very difficult to cover this tournament with seriousness. I've got to be completely honest with you. 
I mean, they could have done, uh, I mean, I'm biased about this, but they could have done the thing that the NHL used to do and just name it after people. Like, I miss there being a Campbell conference. That was a, do it. that was a fun yeah. thing that existed. Can I, can I sponsor a, can I sponsor Central Group 4 of, of, right. of the League's Cup? Well, uh, like, so, have a, have the group with Chicago, like, draw them with Club America and call it the Cuauhtémoc Blanco group, right? Like, that's compelling. That mm-hmm. is something where you can point at it and say, hey, these are fans that are going to care about this. They're going to understand who this is, and they're going to want to Claim, even if it's just two games in a tournament, a group of three, that they have ownership over Cuadamo Blanco. They're going right. to want to do that, right? Like it's right there for you. And instead, they're going with whatever. Yeah, th- this very much feels like we're fast forwarding to the knockout stage of this tournament. Uh, it especially feels that way after uh, the team in, in your hometown went out and hung four goals on Puebla the other night, despite Admitted. being down a man. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, with a ridiculous free kick. There's now a debate of what was the best Argentine free kick in the first two days yeah. of open of League's Cup play. Um, I know I, I know you're not directly on the Minnesota beat anymore, but what was what was kind of your big takeaway is our listeners are looking forward to this game on Thursday night. Can they really take anything away from that demolition or are Puebla just going to be a pretty clear class below in this group? That's correct. I mean, they're in last place right now in the Liga Mekis table. They allowed seven goals in their first three games of the ongoing season before they hit break. So they weren't in a good run of form to begin with. Um, uh, Against Minnesota, they rolled out their squad goalkeeper. Um, So a guy who made his debut out of the academy in 2012 and has played 18 times for them over the last decade. So they're not showing up to win this thing and that's fine like not every team really can do that um and there's got to be other considerations at play if you're doing that poorly in the regular season like you might want to just consolidate focus on that and get guys who might be needed to make that rise up the table their minutes so that they're actually able to shine it's honestly kind of the thing that you would expect a lot of mls teams to do that are kind of on the fringes of the playoffs is maybe maybe we're not going to go out and win this thing because the only thing that we're playing for here is one of like three or four champions league spots so maybe instead what we're doing is we're getting the guy who's kind of our rotational central midfielder that we just signed in the off season and hasn't gotten a good run out let's just give him two or three starts and let's see how this goes and maybe he'll be better for it right so that's kind of puebla in a nutshell for minnesota i mean they've been finally working with a functioning attack for the first time since 2018. Um, Timu Puki. Oh, man. Timu Puki. Huge. That, man. And, and like, there's there's viable questions that were asked by myself and others after his last season at Norwich when his scoring went down and his, uh, you know, XG per shot went down, so he's forcing it a little bit more. But uh, the thing that he likes to do is run downhill onto a ball beyond – um, a back line and then cut in onto either foot to find his angle and try to put it past the goalkeeper, right? And that is something that Emmanuel Reynoso loves to dish. He loves a through ball beyond the back line. And so he has found kind of his perfect facilitator. England doesn't really play any of the top two divisions, Premier League or Championship, don't really play with number 10s anymore. It's a lot of wingers who are doing some of that work or two number eights, whatever the case is. And so then when you have a true number 10 who's actually just his whole job is to feed you the ball that you want. (laughs) It's like, it's a luxury that Pookie hasn't had in years. So um, that is prolific. And then you have the team's leading scorer from the wing, Bongi Longwane, South Africa international. He got another couple against Puebla as well. So then he is able to be that kind of fiery option on the wing, no pun intended, um, who offers something different. And then you've just got kind of a rotation of other guys who can fill the spot uh, up front. Midfield is their biggest weakness right now. Will Trap has looked very bad this season. Um, He's making a lot of bad decisions. He's forcing passes in the defensive half that cause turnovers in dangerous areas. Uh, Goalkeeping, Dane St. Clair has kind of been in split minds right now between being Canada's place-holding number one while Maxime Cropot recovers uh, and and the defense is still kind of a work in progress. Michael Boxall will probably miss this next game due to a red card for a kidney punch. Which is very ill-advised. But maybe <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to no. play in the League's Cup either. I mean, you've heard me talk about it. Maybe I would be out there trying to punch kidneys or something just to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they will be a team that is going to be looking to win 3-2 against the Chicago Fire. That's basically what their approach is going to be. They're going to have to kind of sacrifice some of that defensive solidity because they just don't have it on the roster right now. And instead, they're probably going to play with two left-footed center backs, just a heads up. So um, it's interesting. 
It's yeah, Pookie, Pookie just feel, felt like a good, like the vibe of that signing just feels right. It's like, you know, if there's a place in Major League Soccer that's most like Scandinavia, it's, I guess it's Minnesota. Um, <laughs> right. And then briefly, before we move on to other things, I do want to bring up, you know, you mentioned Emmanuel Reynoso. He is the star player on this team. The free kick is kind of just like, you know, that's the sort of thing he just kind of does. Yeah. Uh, this season started very awkwardly for Minnesota United with him just being totally AWOL. And, mm. you know, the full details of that have really never been cleared up. But does it seem like that's all kind of water under the bridge from your perspective at this point that, you know, he's back, he's playing back at his best level. And, uh, you know, Adrian Heath just is happy to have him on the field. And as long as he's on the field, he's going to be a dominant player. Yeah, it's a big part of it. I, I think that it, it becomes abundantly clear when you see a player like that celebrate a free kick like that by running to the coaching staff to hug them. That's a guy who's like, he was going through some personal stuff that had mm-hmm. nothing to do with wanting to leave the team, right? right? You don't go and do that and make it like an absolute dummy of yourself if the coach just like tries to give you a fist bump and send you back on your way, right? That looks that looks terrible. That looks even worse. So, um, you know, it is something that you only do if you have the trust of the coaching staff, if you've had the conversations to feel you're in the good graces again. And look, it, it's half a season. It, it, it obviously wasn't good. He wasn't paid for it during that time due to the suspension Major League Soccer put upon him for not showing up for preseason. So it's not like the team is any worse for it necessarily financially, but um, yeah, yeah, those questions will still need to be answered. Uh, they're, they're things I'm still working to get the full story on, but I think it's just not time yet. But the the reality is that this is a guy who's finally kind of found his freedom. And this is the most he's looked to be enjoying his soccer since that run to the Western Conference final in 2020. Um, just a very, very different kind of player right now. Someone who's playing freely. He's not trying to force things. He's willing to take shots. There's no player in Major League Soccer who's averaged more combined shots on target and chances created for his teammates per 90 since he returned at the start of June. So he, if he had started in this form at the beginning of the season, we would be talking about him alongside Hani Mukhtar for MVP. And because he missed half a season, he should not and will not be in that conversation. I promise you that. But he is definitely someone to be watching for in this tournament and for the rest of the season. And is someone who could really make Minnesota be one of those dangerous teams where because they underperform the first half of the season, but they qualify as a five seed, let's say they would be the team that four seeds, three seeds would never want to face in the first round. Absolutely. Especially not with that attacking talents a reminder that the fire face minnesota at allianz field in st paul on thursday night and then monday the fire are at home at home in bridgeview at SeatGeek stadium against puebla okay other stuff while we have jeff here because he's been very busy on other things uh joe what do you got for jeff on uh, messy hi jeff joe chats big fan of your work uh hey, thank you yeah, but first time, long time. My pleasure. Uh, <laughs> curious, uh, maybe not the day to ask, do we have any reporting on what LeBron James said to Messi <laughs> or if Messi even really took in what LeBron James said is English isn't his first language? <laughs> yeah, no, but we're learning quick that Messi knows more English than we thought. Oh, um, yeah. He just yeah. He doesn't. There's a great video going around the Internet of him dodging uh english like over the last three years like it's been widely reported he's been learning and like now his kids are going to pick it up pretty quick so he can only hide this for so long eventually he is going to have to reveal that he speaks more than he'd like us to believe and then the the tell always sorry is is when it's one thing if you say yes (laughs) Um, you know and you're speaking formal right like i have a 150 day streak on duolingo my spanish would be very much what i'm supposed to be saying right like it's not how people talk Right. The idea then that he is answering stuff with, of course, instead of yes, means that you have a grasp on it. Like that is something where like we don't talk about plod the course, tread the course. This is not something that he would have picked up on accidentally. Right. So so he does have more of that conversational English. Um, What would he have said to LeBron? I don't know. I mean, maybe LeBron is trying to also speak Spanish and maybe they're having the most awkward Spanglish conversation you've ever seen in a hug. Right. Like, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the cameras messy was obscuring. Uh, LeBron's yeah. lips so we can't have like the, the lip readers try to get a sense of what he was saying but yeah it really did look like Messi was just kind of standing there like okay yeah and, and all right then, <laughs> yeah let me ask you then what else should American soccer fans understand about these other signings that Inter Miami is getting like Busquets and Jordi Alba are, are no scrubs they're they're Not international superstars of their own right 
Yeah, you're you're gonna need uh, Gregory and Jean Mata to do a ton of running. There's another midfielder <laughs> that from Paraguay that they're looking to sign, Diego Lopez, I believe his name is, um, who's also gonna have to do a lot of running around Busquets. But Busquets is gonna be able to settle the ball, pick his pass, and set up chances from deep like no player MLS has had since like. <sighs> prime Dax McCarty I guess like and I know that that's like a funny comparison in, in one sense because it's like an MLS lifer in Sergio Busquets but um that is something that Dax McCarty could do with regularity when he was playing for Chicago when he was playing for New York um even his first years in Nashville and a little bit to this day like it's just going to be an outlet that really teams haven't tried in major league soccer which would be very interesting to see it, it's still a league that's so funneled through central attacking midfielders that you're not really going to be trying to create chances from deep as much as say Barcelona would have been over the last five years of their evolution or right. devolution. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> with, uh, with regards to Jordi Alba, that's a perfect signing with Franco Negri's injury um, mm -hmm. because pretty much the only dependable source of chances created from the first half of the season under Phil Neville came at left back. And when he tore his ACL, it, help justify signing an upgrade at that position <laughs> a lot because otherwise it would have been really messy you would have had to try to force um negri onto the yeah they didn't yeah, even try yeah, it no, just no, forces just... itself <laughs> yes ah uh, man he's everywhere isn't he um but like it would have forced uh forced the issue you would have had to play with two left-footed players on the left you would have needed to have either negri or alba moonlighting as that left midfielder left winger and that's neither of their game so uh it, it works out really well for them i think that's a good pickup it'll be very interesting to see how mls justifies letting them sign all these guys uh that is something <laughs> that we are still working on reporting out yeah I, I was gonna say because right now, and I noticed this yesterday, uh, the official league roster for Inter-Miami has five designated players on it. Uh, gr so it's currently Messi, Biscats, Leonardo Campagna. Those are allegedly supposed to be the three now. But then yep. Gregory and Joseph Martinez were also DPs slash have been DPs and are maybe just magically not going to be DPs anymore. We have an answer on one, and that is that Joseph Martinez's contract buyout with Atlanta took care of all but the 1.5-ish million dollars necessary to make him a TAM player. God, yeah, because so, 1.6 and something like 1.621 yeah, 1. 1, something. Year, something like that, yeah. yeah. It's you know, once you get to the tens of thousands, it's yeah, and then also you know, you got Jordi Alba, you got Iniesta, maybe, which seems like it's probably where that international slot they acquired from San Jose yeah. is going. Um, the Luis Suarez thing is hilarious because <laughs> he tried to retire, and Gramio told him, No, we know you're just gonna unretire tomorrow and sign for Miami, you can't do that. So, yeah, I, I think the. The reporting is going to be interesting to follow, and I look forward to you and Paul Tenorio and everybody else over the at the Athletic, what you guys come up with, because I think this offseason is going to be really interesting because uh, from a fire perspective, we are this is one of the teams that's got an owner who's going to want to ask the question of if I can spend more money, I would like to do that. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure the likes of Chicago, LAFC, uh, Atlanta, NYCFC, uh, are going to be are going to be having those conversations. So yeah, we look forward to seeing all your guys uh, continuing work on that topic. Uh, we're going to get you out of here soon, Jeff. We uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day. But first, sure. you are also currently uh, supplying some World Cup coverage from the 17-hour yeah. time difference that we are all <laughs> currently somehow dealing with. Uh, Meg Lenahan of the Athletic being, of course, the focal point of all that great work. Um, Two questions for you before we get you out of here. The first one is, uh, there's been a lot of weirdly reactionary negative takes, in my opinion, about the U.S. beating Vietnam 3-0. Like, it wasn't the prettiest game, but it's a 3-0 win. Um, other than Sophia Smith is amazing, which those of us who follow this team knew, and now much more of the world knows. Uh, anything right. else really sticking with you from that game as we look ahead to the Netherlands matchup tomorrow night? Yeah, uh, you can't win every World Cup opener 13-0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's not going to happen. And the, the growth of women's international soccer means that, like, those teams that are going to get, like, Morocco making their debut against Germany lost 6-0. And that's not good, but it's 6. <laughs> it's not 13, right? And so... Yeah, and that was with two own goals and an XG of, like, two and exactly. a half. Like, Germany played right. out of their minds and you scored on yourself twice. Like, that's it, right. that's worse than it looked. 
It's way worse. Yeah, it's way like that score line is one where it's like, actually, you played a little better than six. It's maybe a four. But Mm -hmm. at the same point, it's uh, that's that's the reality of it. And I I think that if you're you see this on the men's side, too. But I think that people like reacting more strongly to women's soccer for intrinsic reasons that only Sigmund Freud can get into. Um, But the reality of it is that uh, the. You, you need to reset expectations like you just you generally need to you you can't if you only tune in every four years you're not an expert on this oh man man has it been a week for people who don't watch soccer having takes about soccer women's world cup and Messi together is just like this awful <laughs> awful perfect storm of just all sorts of bad soccer takes coming from really? all sorts of places and look, we don't want to like gatekeep entirely. No, like, no, no. You, you want people to get into it. You want people to be able to like, I, look, when I started writing about Major League Soccer in 2015, I probably had some really terrible takes like Johan Venegas for breakout player of the year level takes. Right. And that's fine. Like take your lumps, learn from it, realize what you're covering and then you grow into it or what you're following or what you're watching, yeah. all these sorts of things too. Right. Like you make the same mistakes if you just get into the Premier League for the first time or the Bundesliga or you want to go with Syria and you pick lots here and you pick the only fascist club left in existence in a major league right like things like this happen right it they, so they do happen so you need to you need to give some grace on that front it's when you get into the pall of like only five players saying the national anthem of the 11 are, are they are they traitors and then you like okay well let's check the footage of the men's world cup a few like half a year ago now oh my god it's already been half a year um the uh two players per lineup sing Three, Italy always sings because Gigi Buffon won't let them not, but they don't qualify for World Cups anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, like, we, and we, we fought that, that this battle was fought years ago, and it's like yeah. you really need to find better things to do with your time if you're parachuting in every four years to complain about uh, Megan Rapino. I mean, at least the next time around, <laughs> Megan Rapino will be, I mean, she's had an illustrious career, but they'll have to find something else to complain about. Uh-huh. And then finally, you mentioned Germany, but. Outside of the U.S., what's kind of what what performance has stayed with you the most? Is it the Germans? Is it Brazil having a lot of fun? Is it Haiti barely losing to England? Yeah, it's Jamaica um, because that's a team that I had really. Thank you. Yeah, that's a team. I'm, I'm, a, really, I'm a Shayna Matthews stan uh, on the Red Stars beat, so we're big Jamaica people here. That's great. Good. Like it's 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 a fun time for Jamaica. Jamaica, like it's it's a, a hard done call on Bunny Shaw. We'll see if it looks like it's gonna get appealed. We'll see if they're able to get it overturned in time for the second group stage game. But it it over the last four years they've still had continued issues with their federation. They've had continued issues with players um treatment and how they're being able to train and their readiness for this tournament, and yet they can go play against France and hold them to a draw. Like that just kind of that's that's proof of concept at that point. Like, yeah, there's there's impressive performances. I wouldn't say the US's performance was one of the most impressive of the round, but it definitely was what they needed to do. They they showed that they can still win ugly by multiple goals against teams in a low block. Like that's that's good. That's something that I don't know if a Jill Ellis team was always equipped to do, for example. But certainly something that the the men's national team does not do particularly well. Oh no, no, they don't. But that's I mean, at this point we're talking about the the twentieth best team in the world versus the <laughs> First, yes, right? versus like, the best team in the world. Yes, there, there, there are levels to these things, absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, like Brazil, you're right, it is fun. It's a changing of the guard sort of thing. But I think with Jamaica, you're actually seeing that there is another country besides Canada and the United States and CONCACAF that is going to be here not just to qualify and then drop out, but, you know, collect a little bit of money for the Federation along the way, but actually, like, be players in it. And, and there are young players on Jamaica. I really like Jody Brown, plays for Florida State right now. Great player, like fun winger, good outlet for Buddy. So like that's that's the kind of player that you want to look at and um, track the the development. Like it, because now you're also getting to a question of these players who play in American colleges. There's a ton of them for the Philippines, of course. There's a ton of them for a lot of other countries, South Korea. Um, how many of them are going to go to the NWSL route, and how many of them are going to be picked up and be going abroad? And for young American players, how many of them are going to do the Katarina Macario and Lindsay Horan thing and want to play abroad now, right? So, like, we're in this kind of evolution. The, the next phase of it is kind of the sophistication of club football and catching up to what – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on Sky Sports later tonight, so I'm already practicing calling it football. Um, but there's the uh, – there's the – 
there's the sophistication of the whole ecosystem that we're so accustomed to on the men's side, which kind of forces you to not skip out for three and a half years outside of World Cup windows, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is, I think, going to be more the story of the next four years of women's soccer um, as you're looking at the United States and generally the rest of the world. And another thing to watch with Jamaica is if their women's team follows in the footsteps of their men's team with really trying to exploit the uh, the England inefficiency, which may yeah. be a bit more noticeable there because you know, you know it's it's a, I know it's a big topic in the UK. While their their men's team is very diverse, uh, there yep. is I believe two women of color on the England roster, right. maybe one. I, I mean, it's, Lo it's it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's like it's Lauren James is the only one I can think of off the top of my head, and because Nikita yeah, Paris kind of flamed out and really isn't a factor anymore. So yeah, I mean, it's right. there's something there where there's probably much like you know your Mikel Antonios and your Leon Bailey's. There's probably a handful of guy of, of women around that would be interested yeah. in strengthening the, the the pool of that Jamaica team for sure. Would be for sure, but the the flip side is, have they actually been able to play? In their childhood because so many of these like it is either you had you had privileged access to get into these academies that actually did start women's teams as nascent as they were or you had privileged access and money where your family was actually just letting you play the footy even though it wasn't like commonplace in england for young women at the time right like it, it might take 10 15 years but i completely agree with you like it, it, if England continues on its kind of lily white trajectory, like at a certain point, there are other ballers in the country. <laughs> like they're, they're going to find their avenues and it might be Jamaica. It might be Alana Cook choosing to represent the United States over England, for example, another woman of color. So yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a sharp take. We'll see what, what Jamaica can do. We'll see how big that player pool is because it's just so unknown at this point. Um, the scale of that, unless you really follow uh, FAWSL. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. But it's, uh, I, I think that in general, when we talk about impressive performances and we talk about teams that I would say are a favorite, I'm not really as worried about England as I was four years ago. No, so. England, France, France are going to go into that game against Brazil without a clear attacking plan and potentially without Wendy Renard. And so those are some yeah. very consequential games brazil against france and panama against jamaica a must win for the jamaicans if they're gonna go on a fairy tale run so much though to follow from the women's world cup from the world of Messi. jeff and everybody over at the athletic has you covered on that you can follow jeff on x i guess we're calling it now at jeff uh, at jeff <laughs> uh, yeah i know it's it's another conversation for another day before that sucks the, the first time i had to re yeah follow me on twitter at jeff Ruder or whatever uh the first time that i like it had reloaded or I, I think i clicked off so basically i have like my email my personal email my work email my twitter has like mm -hmm. three tabs that are always open on one window right and uh the first time i accidentally clicked off my twitter feed and just went to an account just to see and suddenly the whole thing changed and the bird was gone and it was just like oh man this is worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so much worse it is but hopefully you know what there's there's Still a great place to find work like yours and a lot of other people. So, or you could just <laughs> yeah, go directly sure. to theathletic.com and find what Jeff is up to. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of this messy and World Cup experience. And um, I'm sure you'll be watching like we will on Thursday night to see uh, what the fire and the loons make of each other. Awesome. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. And that is going to do it on our end as well for this episode of CHGO Fire. Ran a little longer than usual, but I think that was worth it. I'd say. Got a couple Fire wins discussed. Got a lot of content in. Again, Fire at Minnesota on Thursday. They are home against Puebla next Monday. After that, we have no idea. So by the next time we talk to you, we will have an idea. The Fire actually might have played another game by then already. I'm not honestly even sure because they're starting kind of late. So just keep an eye on it. We'll see how the Fire do. They should get out of their group. And then we can take a look at the League Cup bracket and decide whether it is worth dreaming about the Fire maybe lifting a trophy in 2023. Joe Chats, thank you very much for being here as always. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Alex. Always a pleasure. I am Alex Campbell. I will talk to you in two weeks. This has been CHGO Fire, and we'll see you next time.